podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church, and I'm Josh Fleming, the pastoral intern for Discipleship. In today's episode, we begin to discuss Chapter 5 of the Westminster Confession of Faith, and we'll be discussing the scope, means, and purpose of God's providence. If you have any comments or questions about our show, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can email us at 1a at firstpresscolumbia.org. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and to those around you. Let's get to the conversation. Welcome back to 1A. I'm your host, Josh Squires. And with me, as always, is Josh Fleming. Josh, thanks for being with me. It's a pleasure. Glad to be here. Josh Adair. Good to be here. And Mark Capper. Thanks for being with us, Mark. Hey, guys. So glad to be with you again. And so, Fleming, why don't you kind of recap for us where we've been and what we're beginning to tackle in this group of episodes? Sure thing. We are, we are working our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith, and we're looking at through a lens of counseling, pastoral counseling. How does the confession speak to the problems of our lives, of our souls? And so, if you've been following us, we, we've actually already covered a chapter in here. It was chapter three. It was called Of God's Eternal Decree. Now, I want to read a question from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, because I think that question kind of gives us a hint into the logic of these, sort of the section that we're in in the confession. This question is question eight from the Shorter Catechism, and it says, how doth God execute his decrees? So we've already had an episode about the decrees, chapter three. The answer to that question is, God executeth his decrees in the works of creation and providence. And so if you've listened to the last episode, previous to the one recording right now, we talked about creation, chapter Mm. four of the confession. Mm. And so now we're moving into chapter five. It's of providence. Right. And so this chapter is going to flesh out some of the things that have been sort of previously discussed somewhat in the chapter three. But I think it's going to be helpful for us to think through these and, and maybe kind of build the framework that we've already somewhat laid in, in how God's providence works in our lives and in the world in general. Yeah. Um, I, I've kind of thought about it, and maybe this is helpful. Tell me what you think. The, the decree, the chapter we looked at before, chapter three, is sort of God's inward will, his His plan, mm-hmm. and the providence mm-hmm. and creation and providence both are, are the the outworking of it. It's That's right. external. It's, it's making it happen. Yeah. So with that sort of as a the groundwork of what we're doing here today. Can I read section one of chapter five? And then we'll, we'll kind of get in and Jump in. It up a little bit. Sure. Let's do yeah. it. All right. So guys, this says God, the creator of all things doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things from the greatest, even to the least by his most wise and holy providence according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. Man, that's a great section. That is. Let me tell you that right Mm -hmm. now. Okay. So the divines really are breaking this up into three separate sections. And so we're going to talk about each of those sections maybe in depth. Like you said, chapter three, maybe high level, 30,000 foot, and now we're diving deep. Digging in. That's right. 
So in the first section, it says God, the great creator of all things. And then this is scope. Okay. So we're going to look at scope. We're going to look at means and we're going to look at purpose. That's what, that's what the divines are trying to define for us as we even just get out of the gate on providence. So what's the scope of his providence? Well, he does uphold, direct, dispose, and govern. Right again. So, so think about those verbs. Those verbs are saying basically there's there's nothing inside the activity of creation that goes outside of providence. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they could have used other words to try and communicate that, but they chose these four verbs: uphold, direct, dispose, and govern to try and communicate the full scope of what he does with his providence. There's nothing outside, no action outside of God's providence. Okay. There's no action outside of God's providence. What, what about the actual activities inside of creation was the creatures, the actions and things from the greatest to the least. First off, I have great comfort that they use the word things (laughs) because I have this incredible middle school guilt where I had an English teacher tell me, never use the word thing. <laughs> Always be more specific. Thing is a lazy man's word. And so I had the same from my middle school English. Like, uh oh, I better never say thing. Ne- never write the word thing. It's so, too vague. Yeah, yeah, it's too vague. So I'm, I am really, really appreciative of the divines that they could, in God's providence, recognize that I was going to have this anxiety and that they're going to help. I'm glad they vindicated you guys. You yes. Guys. So again, he does these activities for all creatures, so 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 the the beings, all their actions and things, whatever else that means. But I mean, the divines again—they're just trying to. It's a catch-all, right? Mm. From the greatest to the least. Mm. Oftentimes, this is one of the questions that people come away with when we talk about providence. Is is God's providence for the big things? You know, should someone die or there be an accident or, or even like a job change or obviously conversion being, being the biggest thing that could happen for somebody. But, you know, he's not providential over what socks I chose this morning. He doesn't care about my socks. He's not in the weeds that deep. Mm. Yeah, no. All right, right. And, and what this says is, is no, actually. Even to the least. Yeah. Even to the least. Mm. Every single action, the fact that we would be here, the fact that I'm holding an Apple pencil in my hand, listeners, you can't see it, but I'm, I'm making notes on my digital copy of the Westminster Confession. Every single one of those, every jot and tittle that I make here Mm. to use kind of biblical language, all of that was directed by God. Now, here's the question that comes with that. If he directs all that, how can he not be a micromanager? Right. Mm-hmm. How can he not be micromanaging and how are we responsible for any of our activities if he does ordain all that comes to pass? And actually, that's going to be the next section. We'll get there mm. when we talk about first and secondary causes. But right now, they just want to say the scope. The scope is complete and total. Mm-hmm. Now, that can be terrifying in one sense. It can be scary in one sense. But in another sense, from a counseling perspective, that's incredibly comforting. Mm. 
there's mm. there's no activity there's no person who's going to get a text and look down at the text and therefore lose sight of the road and therefore end up hitting something or someone and causing grievous harm even death that he didn't providentially decree mm. everything everything is decreed from God and so when he makes the promise in Romans 8:28 that all things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. The all things there is everything. Mm. And and you can be 100% that even the socks you picked out this morning, somehow, somehow, I don't know. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not infinite minded. Somehow it's working together for the good of God's people. Mm. Mm. That's actually incredibly comforting. Yeah. There, there's a way that we can look at that as if it's sentimentality. Yeah. To assume that God is that directly involved in our everyday lives. And yet, in our creaturely natures, we need to know that God himself is actively involved, that he's made a uniform world, that we can depend upon things. And so this is really one of the one of the only ways when we conceptualize God and his active providence over all things that we can learn to depend on his character, his ways, like it's it's the very uniformity of our existence, uh, our experiences, they all come to us as an act of his decree because he's actively involved. And then that means that he sees what goes on in our lives. He mm. knows what goes on in our lives. He remembers his purposes in our lives as he decrees these things. And we'll get to that more, but uh, it's it's just incredibly comforting, but it's also cr- incredibly convicting because he sees, knows, and decrees <laughs> for the very same reason. Well, this is something what both of you have just said, both Josh's mother and myself. It's just something that I just wish I could have. I mean, even as you were speaking here a minute ago, Squire, yeah. I just wish I could have that printed out and just hanging in front of my face everywhere I go all the time. Yeah. Because I re- I'll remember that during this conversation. It's really, it's blessed me here in, even in just this moment. But in a little bit, we're going to go out of the room. Yeah. We'll be done with the podcast. Yeah. I'm going to go on and I'm going to live my life in some sense as though I control things or I, I've got to I'm in control yeah, of it all. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, mm. and I'm going to mm. forget the, you know, the rich comfort that we have here. I'm going to lose the benefit of that. I'm going to fret in a way that probably I should not. Right. You know, again, a statement, they're just making theological statements, but when we really digest it, the mm-hmm. way you've helped us just even think, considering the first aspect, just the scope here, yeah. it's so comforting. Yeah. And um, mm. hopefully our, our listeners think so as well. And there's a way in which the idea that he providentially decrees all things, no matter how big or small, can be abused. Right, and we're going to get yeah. into that sure. in some As of we, the later yeah. sections. Yeah. That the that the mm-hmm. divines want to make sure that doesn't mean you have some huge divine everything proof shield going out That's in front right. of you. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Right, they're going to maybe qualify is not the right word, but they're going to sort of further nuance. Yeah, nuances. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. All right, so that's that's the scope. That's the first thing. They just want to say that all things, all creatures, all actions, everything is governed by the providence of God. Now, what's the means? By his most wise and holy providence, according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will. Mm-hmm. 
What does all of that mean? Well, to a certain extent, and and I think we've talked about this before, but we have to be careful not to bow down at the idol of our own intellect and curiosity. Right. And to think that we're going to be able to understand everything perfectly. And so you've just got to be able to put biblical pins. You've got to be able to say, what does the Bible say about God and his providence and his decrees? Mm. And what it seems to say is that he does it in a way that is wise and holy. That means, again, as we think about wisdom, that is what is good for his people. Mm-hmm. What is holy without error, without darkness, mm-hmm. without sin of any sort, no corruption, no corruption of mind, no corruption of knowledge. He's perfect in all of those things. According to his infallible foreknowledge, he knows everything that is going to pass perfectly down to the detail. When I say perfectly down to the detail, I mean the subatomic level. Mm. He's not having to figure it out. He sustains it. Right. Mm. Right. Mm. So, so again, it's, and, and scripture bears us out when he talks about knowing the individual hairs on our head. That's right. Yeah. That's the level that he knows and has perfect foreknowledge of all things that will happen. And then according to the free and immutable counsel, free, he is most free of all beings. Mm. Mm-hmm. He can do anything that he wants that is in a line with his character. Mm. Okay. And immutable, he does not change. Actually, I was reading recently on the transcendence and immutability of God, and it was Job's sermons, uh, Job's sermons, Calvin's sermons on Job. Mm hmm. Where uh, Eliphaz and Elihu both make the same point, that you cannot add anything to God by your righteousness, nor take anything away from him by your sinfulness. Mm. Mm. He is perfect. He is unchanging and unchangeable. And there's, there's a way in which you and I cannot possibly understand that because we are changing moment by moment. Right. Mm. Right. Mm. We don't know what it is to be perfect perfectly good without cause uncaused perfection from before time what in the world does that sentence mean Mm. i have no idea Mm. yeah (laughs) i have no idea but what i do know is his immutable counsel means that Mm. he has made the decisions that he has made for the good of his people and it's not changing Mm -hmm. no one can go and make him change his mind about anything that has happened nor anything that will happen, which includes the perfect salvation of every single person that is his. There's nothing that can change that. Not even my own idiocy, not even my own sins can change that. Well, and I think that dovetails with what we were just talking about in the sense that God, I really feel like what the divines are trying to get at here is that God isn't like the God of deism, that yeah. especially in so many areas of <laughs> academia and people of intellect. It's like, oh, you know, sure, there's a maybe there's a God who created the world, sort of started things off, but you know, now he's just distant, and now we're, it's up to us. Everything that we do, we're the ones who make our own free choices and everything. What this is really getting at is like. No, that's absolutely contrary to what we see in the God of Scripture. He he doesn't change. He didn't just create 
and then walk away. He created and he's sustaining Mm. every aspect Mm. of his creation. It would be a changing Mm. God. It would be a God who changes. It would be a less than perfect God if it were a God who would create and then send it off to just be by itself. But he is a God who has created and every second of time from there on, he is actively sustaining what he has created. And that is immensely comforting, I think, especially in the counseling room, dealing with trials and, and difficulties of life, is that we don't understand necessarily what God is doing in this, but we know that God is present in mm-hmm. it. And wow. And it's according to his perfect will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, that, and yeah. again, you've got to be careful to lead with that when someone's grieving. Sure, sure. This is all happening for God, for God's perfect will for your betterment when you've lost a child, right? Like that's just that's really hard. And you want to start with grief with yes, someone like that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, and yet as the counselor, so this is like how do you counsel the counselor? Hmm. As much mm-hmm. as it is the counseling room, how do you counsel the counselee? As the counselor, as I'm watching someone just fall apart in front of me, which happens so often, mm-hmm. and I'm responding with them in empathy, what allows me to continue to have hope and not be torn apart with them is that I know this truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably more in that moment than they can know it. And yet perfectly know that the Lord will sustain them through it so that at some point maybe they can look back and see it too. Now, that leads us to purpose, right? So mm-hmm. so what's the purpose of God's providence in all of these things according to his perfect and immutable will. Well, it's for the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. Mm. Everything works towards that end. The praise of God, right? Now, again, we'll get, we'll get to a section at the very end of this chapter that talks mm. about how he works especially for his church. Right, so that so that there's some other ends in focus in that sense, but ultimately all of this is about His praise and glory, which is which is hard for us sometimes, quite frankly. Sure, as we think about this, and sometimes there's that that phrase like the God centeredness of God, mm-hmm. and I think that can ruffle our feathers a little bit. Why, why do y'all think that is? Like we, because we're self centered, we want Him to be centered on. I mean, what, I mean that's too simplistic, but yeah. Why does that like, I mean, there's, there's passages, I can't think of the exact reference, but in the Old Testament where the Lord proclaims that he's going to do something, he's going to save his people, but it's for, it's for his name's sake. Mm. Why would something like that kind of, why does that not sit well with us sometimes? Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's two things there. One, when someone is going through something hard, again, let's think, again, loss of a child or... I don't know, loving someone who's struggling with addictions or whatever, when when you have to the praise of his glory is the answer. Oh, yeah. That, that's hard to appropriate well in that moment. Right. Right. Rather than just the comfort of he is with you and he understands and he loves you, right? So, so I think there's that moment where it's hard. But even once you get past the difficulty of that moment, and like you say, even as we just soberly think about all things being for his praise and glory, it does, I think, ruffle, ruffle the egocentric nature of our pride. Mm, yeah. And it's, it's the first sin. We wanted to be on the same level as God. Yeah. Right? And so when something happens, as all things happen, 
and are supposed to happen for his glory and not our own. And it reminds us that we are the dependent creatures and he is the infinite creator. I think it just attacks some of that pride that we have and reveals mm-hmm. the sinful nature that continues. It's always there. Somewhere. To be, yeah, yeah. If we, if it is true that he is who we say he is, then of course it does nothing but make sense. Right. Mm. Right. It'd be like a goldfish being very angry that things were done for the glory of his owner, right? Every time he feeds it, you know, like, no, of course it would be good job owner feeding your fish and keeping him well and all of that good stuff because ontologically there's such a big difference there. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but our pride, I think just jumps up inside of us and wants us to be on the same level or even above God, that, Mm -hmm. that old adage that God created us, in his image, and we've been returning the favor ever since. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think the other side of that too, Josh uh, Squires, is is that like each of us have a very complicated relationship to people we perceive to be in power. You know, we we've experienced so many authorities and powers in our lives that have not used their authority or power or ability to change circumstances for the good of the other. Mm. And and so there's a there's a cynicism that we kind of carry around about that. That's I think on one level legitimate from the ways that people have suffered at the hands of others who have had the ability to exercise a a, a control over someone's life and have not used it for their good or for their own good, or they've used it for their own good, but it's actually been for selfish gains. But yes, I mean, it shows our pride, but it also shows in some ways the ways that people have suffered at the hands of others who have acted in a self-interested way, and it's resulted in pain and other sin upon the person who has suffered. I think that's a good a, a good rejoinder. Mm. Josh, mm-hmm. yeah. really good to rejoin there. Okay, other thoughts on section one here. Can I add a thought as we we kind of define here the scope, means, and purpose? Yep. This is getting out of the Westminster guys here a little bit. Ooh, Can I add, whoa! I, yeah, I know. <laughs> this is from the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh oh. And I think it, I think it's just helpful thinking like as we thought about what, all right, what is providence? And this is kind of this. We just looked at the first section. It's kind of giving us something that's going to be fleshed out more as we continue, but, but listen to this. I, I think it's helpful. It says, this is question 28 from the Heidelberg Catechism. What does it profit us to know that God has created and by his providence still upholds all things? And here's the answer they provide. I think it's, I think it's helpful as we think through scope means purpose of God's providence. They say that we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for what is future, have good confidence in our faithful God and Father, that no creature shall separate us from his love, since all creatures are so in his hand that without his will they cannot so much as move. Mm. I think that's just a helpful way to think about it. As we've, we've discussed this, scope, means, and purpose, and I know we're going to continue looking at this. Uh, that's a helpful to think how it profits us, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, mm. to use the Heidelbergs. <laughs> Yeah, and can I put a pin in that for just a second? Sure. If you're listening to this and you've not read through the Heidelberg before, the Heidelberg is so much more warm and pastoral. Mm -hmm. There are different reasons for the different confessions of our confessional history, and the Westminster was brought together by the government of England, House of Lords and Commons, to come up with a system of doctrine. And the Heidelberg is really 
it's similar, but it's asking more pastoral questions and giving you more pastoral responses mm. rather than systemic ones. Mm. And so the Heidelberg, if you've not read the Heidelberg, if you're a listener of this and you have not taken time to read through the Heidelberg, I would strongly encourage yeah. reading the Heidelberg Catechism. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a good word, Josh. I mean, to all of our listeners, we definitely invite you to get the uh, the Heidelberg Catechism a read. And of course, we encourage you to keep keep reading your confessions, your your Westminster confessions. Um, we all think that's worth it. That's mm. why we're doing this podcast. But also, I'd say this: if you're looking for somewhere in the Scriptures uh, to find comfort related to God's providence, and of course, there's a lot of places you could look. But but hey, go read go read Psalm 23. Mm. Uh, maybe commit that to your memory. There you'll find our Good Shepherd who is in control. Mm. Uh, but Anyway, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. So to our listeners, as always, if you have questions or comments, you can submit those to 1A at firstpreszcolumbia.org. That's the number one, the letter A, at firstpreszcolumbia.org. But please tune in next time as we'll continue our discussion, Chapter 5 of the Confession. Until then, this is Josh Fleming signing off for two other Joshes and a Mark. God bless. God bless.